All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Stacking Pennies. I am Corey Joy, driver of the number seven Camaro. Career best finish for me. So we're going to get into a little bit of that, get into Joey Logano's first win at Atlanta. Feels like he's won everywhere. But Atlanta, last lap pass, super exciting. Pit road, boats, and woes. You guys know the deal. This is Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. And we're in it. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm Corey. And uh, this is, uh, to my right, Mr. Chuck Bush. Hello. On the uh, MacBook Pro. Woohoo! What are you looking at over there? Uh, right now, just Joey Logano's racing reference page. Yeah. How's that looking? You know, it looks like he got a win in Atlanta. Got a notch in the mm-hmm. dub column. Punches a ticket for the playoffs. To my left, uh, front tire changer for Ryan Blaney's Ford Mustang. Ryan Flores. Hey, now. Hey, on the Logano Atlanta thing, remember that story about him when he was like 14 years old? Full-blown Roush car tested at Atlanta. Oh, they didn't like that, right? It, yeah, yeah. 14 years old, full-blown Roush cup car. That was That's a well, – next time we have him on here, we'll have to have him tell that story. Yeah. Joey's got a lot of good stories like that. He was – they showed up to – I think he was like 12 years old. They showed up there the ASA race when the ASA cars went there. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know if there's a rule, but you just – you're 12 years old. You can't <laughs> race at Atlanta. They put Mark Martin they in They literally thing, right? put Mark Martin because it was a companion weekend with the cup cars. They just had to put somebody in it. I think Mark was like the only guy small enough that could fit in the seat. We should have uh, Tom on. It's Joey's dad. He's got good. he's got the good stories. It was cool to it was cool to see Tom there in Victory Lane give Joey a big old hug. And last but not least, Ice Club Blue Mountain takes Jonathan Merriman. How you doing? I'm great. It's good been weekend. a good it was a good weekend in the office. The old Spire Motorsports seven gang. P four. Didn't start out great. Well, it started out exactly like I thought it was going to. We thought yeah, we qualified fortieth at the Daytona five hundred. You say that. I saw the Instagram post in the video. Hey, we'll qual- probably qualify 31st. I called you after I left Merriman's daughter's third birthday after qualifying, and you were frustrated. Yeah. So even though you expected to qualify 31st, you were pissed about it. I don't like qualifying or running like, you know, like it doesn't give you a lot of confidence. Meanwhile, right, Penske made team history qualifying one, two, three. And I was like, I was kind of like, Pumping my like I was giving myself a little bit of confidence, like okay, maybe we hedged our bet really to the side of handling good, and we weren't trimmed out and this and that. But we kind of were like on the bump stop pretty hard. So I hope we can eventually start figuring out how to make you know our race cars qualify better because if you just build some raw speed into it, you have some more maneuverability. You can be offensive to where I watched that ending back of like the lap. There's like a two like a two lap clip at the end of the race. If I was in the position Joey was and got the got the bump down the front stretch. I don't think my car had enough speed to get to the right rear corner of the six because the six covered it and then didn't quite cover it strong enough again. I'm sure Brad's kicking himself for not throwing a Chase Elliott-style block there, but he had a little more respect for Joey, and Joey's car had enough pull to get to the right rear corner, and then he covered the lane, and it was it was over with. Well, the shot – Christopher Bell gave Joey a absolute shot. Well, was, they were – the yeah, three Toyotas were, were lined up. I mean, wow. they were all hitting each other. It was seven miles an hour difference of it, how fast Chris Bell hit hit Joey. And that's but, a big, yeah. but that was after he was already alongside of him. Yeah. Right? The the hard part is not when everybody's lined up where your lane's going to – it's getting there. Yeah, getting out, and getting position. That's where we talked in length about when you – 
almost got you broke the plane of Chase's bumper, and he just kept and he coming. just drove you in the fence. Yeah, where the six car just kind of went up like a soft mm-hmm. lane and a half, and then kind of turned back down like he was. He thought he had him. He thought he had him pushed out there. Correct. Well, and it was almost like he was like. He's going high. He's going low, and he's going to block it. If you look at the the in, like Bell's in car, when you see Joey come up, it's he hesitates for just a second behind Brad. Yeah, and it's that. Is is it a head fake? Is it was he waiting to get cleared? Like is he clear a Bell or is is he actually head faking Brad and going? Am I going to go high or am I going to go back low? Well, spotter the spotter helps determine that too. Is as much mm. as we give the spotters. No, so you you can see what's coming in your rearview camera before the, the spotter can. And also, if you're you're looking in rearview camera and you can see like the pitch of the car, the spotter can't see the pitch of the car, right? Because like if Joey was pitched to the bottom in the camera of Brad, he could have covered the bottom. But he was he did get squared at Chuck's point and then he got back out there real quick. But that also he's qualified on the pole, right? So like. He had that, the fastest he car. He had in the, the field. fastest car in the field. He might be the only car, him and the 12, could have been probably the only two cars that could have done that. Yeah. But you gave him the push. You gave him the energy to get there. We couldn't quite get the track position we needed. We were between like ninth and 12th all day and then kind of like got up against a wall there. Couldn't quite break into like the first three rows. How did you go from 31st to 12th and it like he all passed the chatter? 27 but, cars. But all, the, <laughs> yeah, but all the chatter was. This race sucks. Nobody can pass, right? That's what you that, had a lot of options. That, I mean, you could go to the bottom, especially in the beginning, where guys were content to ride around the top to put miles in. I think people expect us to just ride single or, or double file three wide for the entire race. Nobody wants to sit there and, and swap flies in the bottom lane because the cars don't drive easy. I mean, you're on the verge of slipping the right rear. The I mean, you know, essentially, Kevin Harvick went out by himself. So if your car wasn't handling good in the bottom. You had a handful, and nobody wants to sit there, lap 60 of a 260-lap race, and run the bottom and hang on. So everybody's like, okay, let's get some miles in the books, and we'll just go tow this thing on the top. So that's where I could go run the bottom, find a hole, kind of like do like the the island hop thing where you can get a run, pull on somebody's quarter, go to the bottom. I did that probably eight or ten times. And then once you get in the first six rows, then then you're just seeing how – it's literally just like shuffle, like Tetris of like cars. Yeah. Yeah. So we just couldn't quite, we needed to be up in the first three rows so you can get eventually in front of a lane. Were and you then, fourth in the top row at the white flag? Yeah. Yeah. So it was the, it was the three Toyotas and then me. And then the inside lane got broken up down the back stretch, coming to one to go. Which, which it kept getting broken up because because our three cars were lined up down there and, it and I was like oh we're in good shape yeah and Austin then I look Sendrick back up and we're like way back there Austin Cindric the two wasn't handling great so tight. he he couldn't yeah he couldn't keep the inside lane tight so it just kept breaking it up you needed like that third fourth guy in line to be able to handle good to keep the lane tight now was it more important your car's handling on the bottom. Like if you were on the top, you could be tight and live with it. Correct. And stay tight. But if you're yeah. trying to run a tighter radius and your wasn't hooking the bottom, then yeah. you're done. Yeah. Well, it's an aero tight as much as it is mechanical tight too because the, the balance difference between being on the bottom versus the top because the corner's just so much longer up there that you can be a couple numbers free on the top, busting your ass loose, and then you get to the bottom and you're tight. So when Bell made that move – and you like he goes to the bottom, right? Yeah. And then he came back up. As he's getting ready to come back up, that's when you're making the move down. Skirt, skirt. 
Did you, was that, oh, there's an opening there, I'm going to take it, and Joey's there, I know he's fast, I'm going to go with the fastest guy? Like, what were you thinking? Man, so there was a there was a time so to that point, I, I wanted to get to the bottom as fast as I could, and I just got there 20 laps too late, so I was fifth on the top. It was the six, the three Toyotas, I might have been fifth on the top. And so the inside lane was kind of going, it surged to like second line, and then kind of like fall back to where I was even, and there was about a second of where I was clear to the bottom. And I like remember thinking like, Oh, you better take that. You better take it. And as soon as I thought about it twice, they surged back. And as soon as they drove back, I'm like, that's the difference of the race. Cause you just had to be in front of a line yeah. where I was running. I was like, I I'm not going to be able to win the race, but I do think some guys might make the tr bottom work in the front of me and I can cycle to the front, but I think you would have been a sitting duck. I think, yeah. Cause I, Joey, even like Joey was that whole race about being in control of the race. Even when he, after the first pit stop, they led the whole first. Yeah. That's, stage. and I thought about that too, because you look and there's three, four. He would have put bottom. you in the middle. Yeah. He would have put you in the middle and they would have went with him and then you would have been yeah. roasted. Whew. Brad even said that like he wanted to be in second coming to the end like ah. like well he got his wish but but, the, <laughs> no, but like the position that joey was in like he would want to almost want to be there chase having the shot to get past as opposed to brad had the win yeah he threw a lazy block or or he just he, he made a bad decision whether it was yeah. a lazy block or not aggressive enough or he thought that the bottom lane was gonna prevail in three and four whatever it was it, it didn't work out didn't how work. many attaboys you get this week Got a lot of attaboys. Jim Campbell, head guy from Chevy, called me. Didn't know he had my number. So that's good. That's a good sign. It's also a big deal to be the highest finish in Chevrolet. I don't know what all comes along with that. Thanks some money. Obviously, a phone call from Jim Campbell. But what, what drivers reached out? Not many people have my new number. Uh, Bubba, McDowell, Larson, some guys. Suarez? No. Oh. I don't think he has my new Every number. Every driver has your new number. You didn't get yeah. a yeah. chat. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> That's the top four. Confetti. Donuts and confetti. What are we going to do when I run third? Uh, we'll shoot you with it, actually. <laughs> that thing had some pop to it. Uh, it was a very, quite very. Quite deal. Yeah, that was a nice one. Wow. Oh, confetti. Man, what are y'all going to do when confetti. I win? What are y'all going to do when I win? I don't know, but I'm going to take that week off. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> something came up. <laughs> Appreciate that. Let's get back to that. That is a lot of confetti. A regular prescribed. Was there anybody content. mad at you? I don't think so. Like, I saw Bowman was mad at Ross. Everybody's always mad at Ross. Who's not mad at Ross? I'm not mad at Ross. Ross always come, Ross is undefeated, though. He always comes out the other end because he just doesn't care. He's like, yeah, man, I'm just I here to race. I in the car like, Ross goes shark mode. You know how sharks, whenever they see a nice juicy seal, like the black goes over their face when their jaws open? I think that's what Ross does. I, I think he goes a, shark mode. It's not a bad, I don't think it's a bad thing. No. And not, what, what was their beef over? He, like, he uh, hung Bowman out to dry. It sounded like, uh, it sounded in, in like the they had lap? talked. And like, hey, we're committed to you. And then he wasn't. Deuces. Yeah. But like at the at the end of the race, you're you, you just go and try and get more positions you have, instead of you have no friends. Yo, you want to talk about somebody getting positions? Eric Jones. Add a boy to yes. Eric Jones. Brass nuts on that guy, huh? <laughs> dude. <laughs> dude, that was. A, I can watch like, that video what, again. Seventeenth to like eighth or ninth. Where were like? Why aren't guys covering the middle there? It's like he caught literally the entire outside lane sleeping. Well, I think part of that in his in car, I think you see the one in the forty-eight doing whatever they're doing. Yeah, um, down the back stretch. Yeah, and yeah. then he goes past them, and then like he, it's either Cindric or Blaney. I think it was Cindric. Who's that guy on YouTube? Like the jumps the lawnmowers and stuff. That's what I thought about when I <laughs> saw that. Hip, hip. No, oh, the guy, Larry the Enticer. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like that guy. 
just gonna send, send it. it. I'm just gonna send it. That's what he looked like. Heck dude. yeah, I'm gonna send it. But that middle was kind of open after about seven or eight rows because you kinda, guys kind of got lazy and their cars actually started driving bad too. So he just freaking floored it up there. That was awesome. That impressive. If you look at the lap position charts, it's like his is going here and then <laughs> straight up. Yeah. Man, caught a lot of guys sleeping there. But yeah. hey, the one guy who's the most happy out of Atlanta, Joseph Logano, first win in Atlanta. I feel like Joey's. I wonder if there's any places Joey hasn't won. Chuck, could you look at that for the I, time being? I could potentially look at that. Indy. Coda. 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 Well, yeah, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you want the softballs? North Wilkesboro? Is he, I don't yeah. think he's won Pocono. Has Chicago he? Street Course. He hasn't won there. He has won Pocono, I believe. No, uh, Yeah, this was his first career. That was, no, rain out at Loudon, but then he won. Won Pocono straight Pocono up. in the 20 car. Has he yeah. won Dover? He flipped at Dover. Oh, I think he's won Dover. I do not see a Dover. Hmm. He's okay. won a lot of Xfinity races at Toyota. In Cup. No, I'm just looking yeah, at Cup. Yeah, yeah just know. Cup, yeah. Yeah. He's closing it for a guy that's his age, right? It seems like he seems like a, a veteran. Yeah. But, man, he's closing in on some pretty yeah. badass stats. Like, he, he, him and Kyle Busch do not seem like guys that are, you know, under 35 years old. I don't know if Kyle Busch is like 36, but. I mean. A lot of good and stats. And they're going to do it for the next eight to ten years. Yeah. I mean, Joey's going to do it for to the wheels fall off. Eh, maybe not. Who knows? I, no, as long as you're winning, I mean, keep keep showing up. I don't know. Like we're we're both pretty close personal friends with Joey, and I just like I don't see him stopping anytime soon. He loves it, and I think the I, I mean, think the older the kids get, the more he wants to do it to like yeah, share it with them. So no, no doubt. Yeah, I don't. Traxy has not won Coda, Roval, Daytona Road Course, Sonoma, Chicago, Nashville, Kentucky, Indianapolis Chicago GP. Chicago Land is yeah. It's on well. Yeah, Chicago land. Half these tracks you're saying aren't even real tracks, Chuck. Yeah. Well, they, they, you know, they were there. GP, Indy, Fontana, Elkhart Lake, and Dover. Dover mm. is on there as well. Turns out he's he, didn't win it. he didn't win it. He's not one World Speedway either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did he, got, on, did he win in Ontario? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't have a win there. In uh, Riverside. Yeah. He was, he was oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Riverside. Close. Yeah, big, big road course guy, Joey Logano. Is, I mean, is that one road course win, though, for Joey? Yeah. Watkins Glen. Yeah, Watkins, Watkins Glen. Glen. Yeah. I feel like he's won the Xfinity race there a lot. Not Cup. Not Cup. I want to go track and stats I mean, and we, Cup. We had a lot of good stuff going on this weekend. We initial maiden voyage with the motorhome. Shout out that? Blue Compass RV. That was a good time. Brand Hammer new motorhome. Sean rode down with us. We're going to do a YouTube video of charting our journey. It's got heated floors. I went in there before the race on Sunday and heated tile floors sat down on. It's pretty nice. It's a nice bust. It's a nice rig for sure. It's nice to have the family there you do where, like the, fl- where the fridge works. Champagne christening? No, I thought thought oh. about that. You know, I don't want to like bust a fiberglass in the body. That'd be my luck. Like <laughs> knock out a headlight. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna damn do it. it. And I go. Did the powder coat stay on the wheels? Uh, it's starting to chip a little yeah, bit, but right. you know, I'll take it somewhere else to maybe get it touched up. Well, you it's sticking like it used to. <laughs> just like it's just like modified pit stops. You get what you pay for. That's it. Freeze for me. That's right. Shout out Flow Cody. Yeah, the boys for the wheels looking great. I love that Corey just kept saying, uh, "This is this is some real cup." It's cup, it's cup. <laughs> I mean, you I just, made it. Yeah, uh, we looked at doing like a fifth wheel with a dually, and you, I mean, there's a couple guys in there with that have them, but at the end of the day, that's that's Xfinity. That ain't cup. You gotta have a bus. Brad's got like a full blown like uh, semi trailer. No, he got he to. got rid of that. Yeah, because that's not cup. So he went back to actual cup. It was you felt like cup while you were driving down there, and then when you got there and you got that broke down golf cart they gave you, that was just cup-ish again. It was back to back, just, to, uh, back to reality. just cup-ish. Got to save up for the <laughs> golf cart. Like that, that's, that's, that's yeah, a, that's the next. Yeah. That's the next, the next thing. Thing. Well, 
P4 bonus might have a golf yep. cart wrapped up in that. Who knows? There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Oops. What else we got? Well, Josh we... Williams. Shall we? Yeah. Shall we talk about that? Yeah. I love we it. We talk openly about that. I love it when somebody just shows their ass like good old fashioned. So I think it's important to talk about who Josh Williams is and not just think from like that. Because Josh Williams is like a is like a racer's racer. For sure. And he's a guy that's done it the hard way. He's done it. He's a lot like you and I, right? Or, yeah. I like a story about Josh Williams last year. I ran that street stock out in North Wilkesboro, and we were having issues with it the first night. Yeah. And there was a long caution, and I pulled down pit road, and him himself and two of his guys rebuilt the fuel cell on pit road. Like <laughs> took the top off, fixed the the fuel pickup, put it all back together, and we went back out and didn't even lose a lap. Like he's the guy that's there. He he rents out. He does legend cars, bandoleros, rents them out for the shootout. Like he's a he's a racer's racer, which is probably why the frustration got the best of him. So here's the scenario, right? It's like the rule is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chuck. If you're on the DVP, and then you go back out there, you make minimum speed, but a part of your car comes off and brings out a yellow, then you're automatically disqualified. I would have to let me pull up the rule book, but um, that's that sounds the gist of it. That's correct. essentially what it is, right? When I think NASCAR it's a judgment made the call as well. Oh, is it? I think it's so like you could. It's really be a rule, though. It's a really a rule to where like they don't want a fender flying off in the grandstands. That's yes. what the rule is. Like the intention of the rule is that bare bonds black. They probably had some guy didn't brake clean the nose off. Josh Williams riding around, meets minimum speed. Bear Bond comes off his right front fender, brings out a yellow. NASCAR flips to the rule book. All right, he's he's DQ'd. But instead of pulling behind the wall like a normal person, my man parked it on the front stretch and then just popped his helmet off and like did like a mullet whip in the wind like this. <laughs> Through the deuces. Chunked the deuces to the tower <laughs> and then started walking. My favorite thing is that the TV thought they're like, oh, yeah, just picking him up and they're going to bring him to the routine, you know, care center visit. Uh-uh. They brought his ass right to the NASCAR hall. Well, what wasn't cool was like he – I'm a big Josh Williams fan, but like, man, he was kind of a dick to the safety worker. I saw a video where he was kind of like mouth I mean, him and it's like – my man's got the adrenaline pumping. Yeah, He's I know. got his chest yeah, spotter. I get, I get his some bull- no hey, hey, I get your driver, man. Don't be a dick to the safety workers. They're just there trying to help you. So be nice. 
Sometimes you're not in the mood to be nice. Yeah, well, be nice to safety workers. This is directed at you and any driver listening to this podcast. Have generally, my back here. Generally, when you see a safety worker, you're having a bad day. Correct. Okay? Correct. But they didn't wreck you. All right. So be <laughs> nice to them. Uh, they're, That's there true. For, they're there to help. Assuming. That's true. But it's, they, a, it's, a, it's a bad look. And that, I, you know. Also I also want, want to say this. And Elton Sawyer said it last week in regards to Denny. NASCAR doesn't want to get involved. No. Like, they want the drivers to hash it out. They want people to show their personalities. Yeah. They want the best for the sport. They don't want to, like, be the the parent that has to come spank you and discipline the kid. But when you go on a pl- media platform and say you meant to wreck another competitor on purpose, they have to interject. When you disrespect the tower and the officials and everybody making the decisions, they have to go interject. Correct, yes. So NASCAR doesn't want to step in there. Yeah. But no, you have to, though. You have to. Or else, you'll, you know, it'll just be there, – there's rules for a reason, and if there wasn't rules, it would just be chaos. But Yeah, somebody has to uphold the law. To your point, to your point about Denny, like, look, I don't love that they fine him because of what he said, but Daniel Suarez hit the nail on the head. When you choose to look cool in the media and you try to get attention, all the attention's not always going to be good. And, and when we put these headsets on and come in here – you think right? nobody's listening. No, there's people yeah, you think you think it's just us four talking yeah. until you leave here and it gets played and then there's some somebody that takes something you said out of context. So you have to be mindful. One, you have to be mindful and you have to be a little bit careful. But you you also like have to be able to deal with the repercussions. Bad press because it's just part of it. Yeah. But when you go out there and just say, "Yeah, man, let let go of the steering wheel." You put it in NASCAR's hands to go, okay, well, we can't have this going on, so now we have to do something. Same thing with Josh. When you park on the front stretch and chuck the deuces, like, Here's the difference. Here's the difference between Josh Williams and Denny Hamlin. A lot of money. A lot of different. There's, like, multiple commas different in those two bank accounts. Yeah. How can we get my man's fine taken care of? Denny, I saw, reached out, said, I'll pay for your fine. Nice move, that is. But I don't know. What's it going to be? I think he'll. I think he'll be just fine. Do you know what else? I think he'll be all fine. Daniel Suarez said, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah. Scared me. <laughs> Anytime I see Chuck with something looks like a musket, I flinch. My aim was I a little off. Would be I was a to the to the left on that. Well, yeah. it's just reenactments and not real life war. It <laughs> does say, "Don't point it. Don't point it. Treat it. You know, don't point it at anyone." So, you so know. did you have to muzzle load that yeah, thing too? Before we move on and touch it on Josh Williams, are there any more? Can no, shoot on? Just, we just had two. All right, so, yeah. good. So before we move on, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Before we move on from that, the you reason – I think one of the things that sticks out to why Josh Williams got that penalty, even if it was a judgment call, was how much the Xfinity race got off the rails early. And it was taking too long, and they were running long, and the first stage took forever. Some fell off his car. They're like, just park him. We're done. Yeah. Then he does that, and it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is already a nightmare. Yeah. Why was the Xfinity race such a nightmare? Like, you see Justin Allgaier kind of sitting there saying – you know, this is ridiculous, and a lot of people asking why they repaved and reconfigured Atlanta. And then the cup race, there's maybe two natural cautions, one or uh, three. One was a blown tire. Right. And the racing is, you know, side by side, and the racing's good, especially when the pay window opened for both stages and the end of the race. Is it just the caliper of driver, or is, is, the, is the car, is the package different on each one? What was the difference between truck and Xfinity Day? And the cup and cup day being much cleaner. A little bit of everything. I think that the Xfinity cars have a, little, a lot less downforce with their speedway package. 
what they ran at Atlanta. Cup cars have more horsepower, more drag with the spoiler. So I think they might be, you know, stuck to the ground a bit more. But I, I think it's a respect level. I think it's the quality of drivers knowing when to go, how to go, and what arrow positions to put themselves in. Because at the end of the day, man, you could probably count on one hand and have a couple fingers left over of guys who actually get paid to drive on Saturday. Well, that's the thing, too. We, we've we spoken about the, on Fridays and Saturdays in the Truck and Xfinity Series, a lot of those guys are paying to drive those cars. Yeah. And on Sunday, the guys that are driving those cars are getting paid, and they're getting paid a lot of money. Yeah. So there's a there's That's a why you don't see a lot difference. of crashes. I mean, you don't see a lot of single-car spin-out crash, crashes on Sunday because guys are freaking good, man, and they can drive their car to the – maximum amount of grip that car's giving them, and you just don't have mowing head mistakes like you see on Saturday. Now, that might not be – that might be putting it – that might be generalizing a bit, but there's there's a reason. So uh, truck races have been rough this year. Like, I don't want to – Rough truck races. I don't want to poo-poo on the truck series, but when you talk about respect in the garage, and it's it's tough, like, when I hear well, Kyle, Kyle Busch yeah. talk about that. Yeah. But he's like, not wrong. You no, know, he's not wrong, but is it better? Like, because – I know, like, Tony lived by it, and a lot of these guys live by it, but... Here's what I got to did say Did it get this. vanilla? Did it get vanilla when everybody wants to, you know, make statues of Earnhardt, right? And and it's a different deal. But he would rough people up, but he would do it in a way where it was okay that he did it. But now, you know, if, if someone runs into each other, it's an issue each week. Right. What, why, why does Ross Chastain have to worry about you? It, you know who Ross reminds me a lot of when they first got on the scene? Is Joey? Yeah, and everybody was piling it on Joey, yeah. piling on him, and because he doesn't want care about making friends on a racetrack. I mean, there's there's a little bit of that. So, in regards to Kyle Busch's comments, he was talking about Mark Martin and Tony Stewart and yeah. Jeff Gordon, these guys that raced in like the you know starting with Mark in the probably the early '80s to guys through the '90s, and then obviously guys that carried on to where we're at today. I think there is a a little bit of tie direct correlation between the safety because you wreck somebody in 1988 at Atlanta, like that guy might not walk out or he's breaking his leg or he's hitting his dome piece on the wall. So you had to show respect, kind of like F1 guys. If those guys jump wheels, man, they're into the grandstand. So you see a lot of give and take there. But as you saw, you know, you you see Tony Roper pass away, Adam Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Kenny Irwin, Jerry Nadeau got his head rocked. Steve Parr got his head. Like, a lot of these guys got hurt. And you couldn't just wreck somebody or stick somebody in the fence because you had to keep in mind their physical well-being because back when the cars weren't safe, you could actually hurt that person. But now, I think a lot of the drivers now know that you can get in a pretty bad accident. And if your headrest foam and you do as much stuff as you're you're able to in terms of protecting your noggin – you're going to walk out pretty fine. It doesn't go in. That doesn't come across your brain when you're calculating a move. When you're in sitting in the car, you're not worried about hurting somebody. I think it used to. It, now. Yes. Yeah, yes, it used to, but it doesn't now. That's no, what I was saying. Not at all. Because yes. you know, it's really just an eye for an eye, spot for a spot. Yeah. And every playoff point, every point, every car is like actual money figures exchanging. You know, like, and I don't mind it. As long as everybody's like under the under the same understanding, like, Hey, the deal is there's no deal. There's yeah. no give and take at so any was, given part. Who was Brad throwing shade at post-race? Hey, I'm glad to see two The porter <laughs> <laughs> potty. That was, that was right behind our pit box. It was kind of funny. How long was he in there? I don't know, but he was not long. Because, I, I mean, you weren't breaking no. down the pit box, apparently. No, it wasn't long. No, did, we were breaking down the pit box. Did, did he keep his hands on the entire time? Did he walk Hans out of the 
with the he's Hansen. always done that he's like the guy that puts his hands and helmet on before he gets in the car did i ever tell you guys on the podcast the story of him driving to practice i pulled up next so it's like an early morning practice for the cook 600 like a friday and i i'm driving my lincoln and you know he's got a, a like a matte black wrap tesla used to and i look up he's a couple cars ahead and we were on the on ramp for 45 so i gas it up and got next to him and i'm like on his mirror you know, and I'm just like looking at him like this the whole time. And he's like 10 and two, like locked in. I'm like, is that son of a bitch wearing his fire suit? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I, was like I roll my window down. And he's like, he like does like, like one of these and looks. And I was like, like, roll it down. I said, are you wearing your fire suit, you nerd? Yeah. I just wanted the, the clothes I put on in the morning. And he literally drove right there to the racetrack with his fire <laughs> suit on, got in his car and went, went and practiced. That's Brad. I mean, my man is efficient with his time. Yeah, no, that's it. He he wants them three minutes it takes to get changed. He don't want to waste them. Nah, he's got a lot of stuff going on. I digress. So did he so, get out of the with his helmet on? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, you're not. If you go into a porter, John, you don't have a whole. You're, lot of room. you're not going to be able to get your helmet off. You got to go <laughs> in that like hook in there. You could like hang it on the hook, but I doubt it. He's he could, wearing he it the whole put time. It, if he's taking it, he could put it in the thing on the right. He's wearing it. The whole think, time. There's no way he's taking it off. He's got to wear it the whole time. I don't know if it was one or two. Okay. I don't know. Because I'm not saying Only it down one person there. knows if he was one or two, and you can call Danny and ask. <laughs> Maybe you can listen to Danny's like podcast. Wine rolls in there. <laughs> mm. But he tweeted that. So back, so back to that. Before we get off the Kyle Busch subject, because I think it's important, because you're in the driver chat, you're in the driver driver advisory council. I think you have an interesting perspective on this. Do you like? Why was he mad? What's he mad about? I don't know. So I think guys why, so why did that purpose? comment come up? But who, who are the shots directed at? Is it directed at Denny wrecking someone? Yeah. Is it directed on at, purpose. at Brad or, or Ross just racing people? Or is it directed at both? Well, when it comes to wrecking people on purpose, Kyle Busch has too much, too many YouTube videos to like be pointing at other people for wrecking people on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, go look at Texas Run Hornaday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I I don't know. No, I think I, Kyle, like Kyle's a good ambassador for the sport, right? For he, he's, sure, he's smart. His racing IQ might be the highest in the garage. But the one thing that I hated more than anything was when I worked for a driver that would get a little roughed up, and then they'd go back to the coach lot and have a nice bottle of Merlot with the guy, and then the next day they were friends again. Yeah, like yo, what yeah. are we yeah. doing? Or like, like, or, yeah, or they're off golfing the next day or yeah, something. Yeah, like I don't want I. You know, I want to work for Joe Lugano who doesn't want to be friends with anybody. Yeah. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. And now now there's one, like, I don't want people to right hook each other. Right. Right? But I want people to race each other hard, and especially for the majority of the race, not just in the last 10 laps. And that's what stage racing has helped with. Yeah. And I, I think it just, I think it's also the, the the evolution of the sport, and it's getting more and more cutthroat. I'm here for it. Me too. I'm here for the Ross Chastain's, and everybody's got to remember, and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, nobody gave a flying handshake about Ross Chastain when he was driving the Flex Seal, Flex Seal Zero, and nobody that's running into him now would care if he was still in that thing. Yeah. And nobody wanted to help him. So why does he need to come here and look out for you? He don't know it to nobody. Nobody. Nope. So He don't care. Shark mode. He's crazy. The, the spaghetti. The spaghetti. No, he said it was grilled chicken. Whatever. I got, I got oh, yeah, clarification. Got mad. Yeah. Don't tell Josh Wise I was eating carbs. <laughs> Good for him. Doing it. Doing it. Just doing it. And we're going to do it right here on Boats and Wills. Right? I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. 
a performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. After this break. The NASCAR Foundation and Speedway Children's Charity have announced the hashtag NASCAR Day Giveathon coming this May in honor of NASCAR's 75th anniversary. I'll be participating along with Nigu to bring awareness and to raise funds for their efforts to help kids fighting cancer. Join the campaign at NASCARDayGiveathon.org. Pit Road Boats and Woes! Not a whole lot of woes, but your team had one speeding on pit road, which actually wasn't as big of a penalty as I anticipated it being. Oh well, no, it was a big penalty. Um, was it? So you saw. So I don't. So I don't have any numbers from this week because everybody was pretty much waiting on fuel, and there was the only one that really was laying down pit stops and gaining spots on pit road was the eight car. They dropped their jack. Uh, kind of had a miscommunication there early, which put them out in the lead. Yeah. But then he didn't have enough fuel. He had a short pit. But yeah. yeah when Ryan sped there, it put us down a lap. And then, thank God, our teammates were leading the pack. Yeah. Because they came. We kind of picked up the three and the 21. And then I think Joey cut us some slack. And we were fast enough to stay ahead of everybody and only be one down. And then we were the only ones on our lap after that. So we were able to get the lucky dog when the one and the four wrecked. But, yeah, that was unfortunate. I think he was 50, like 50.07, but they give you a five mile an hour leniency. So it's yeah. 45 plus four, nine, 4.9. Yeah. So yeah. Ryan was really mad at himself, but to be able to be able to recover yeah. and man, he got right back up there real quick and we we're in, in Dude. the hump, but that's the difference, right? If we execute on pay road all day and put ourselves out in front of the 22, he then, might not be able to get around it. You know, there's a good chance that, that we win the race. And that that's where the long game on pit road at super speedways is ending up Having, you know, you, you kind of stack pennies all day. That way you're the one leading your lane. With the fuel game, right? Like Fuel game and, and just, you know, fuel game, being efficient with two tires and, and on and off pit road. And if you can jump, like, if you can't pass your teammate on the track because, you know, if you hang them out, you don't want right. to do that, you want to work together, you can pass them on pit road and not be the bad guy for doing that. Right. So that, you know, that's, that's kind of the game there. And especially... With the 22, if he's leading, he's got to use more fuel than you. So that's that's one way to kind of snooker him and get by him on the on the last the last fuel run there. So 
weren't able to do that, but still were able to come back for a, for a strong day, scored some stage points, and finished seventh. Obviously, uh, the turn three pit road entry was a big talking. How point. was that for you? Huh, actually, wasn't really like a talking. Like it didn't even change the race up. I don't think. No, we just it was the same for everybody. Luckily, there wasn't a a caution within that cycle. You know, if it, if you get caught before the majority of teams pit during a pit road cycle there, it would really ruin your day. But everybody cycled around. I think it, I thought it ended up kind of cool. Cause like there was like a 12 car line that broke out. I was on the tail of, we all kind of came down staggered, but then we all kind of joined back up. Uh, and I was able to get a stage point there, the second stage and start creeping our way back towards the front. But bro, you're still in the playoffs right now. Still in the playoffs. I just need a couple more people. Playoffs. Get, I need a couple people to get more fine so I can keep bumping up the old standings, Chuck. Or just, you know, get some better finishes. I'm going to try that, but that's a little harder <laughs> than other people getting fired. Uh, maybe we race Atlanta every week. You'd be in good shape. If we'd race Atlanta, I'd be a championship contender, bro. A lot of things I saw this weekend. So waiting on fuel was a big deal. And something we've seen a couple times this year is a uh, gas man getting drug out of pit road. We saw that Sunday. So the five guy, the gas man on the five car, oh. they stopped the can before it got over the line. So it was a penalty. And also uh, Brad's gas man, Brad Robinson got drug too, and it kind of looked that that's the tough part right now is you'll see and you can kind of watch it. You can tell if there's a little bit of a miscommunication, like if they were supposed to be waiting on fuel and they drop the jack and the driver goes, or the driver was supposed to wait or go on the crew chief and the gas man isn't quite ready. Those Schultz heads can get turned in there and stuck. And next yeah. thing you know, it's, it's going. And if your feet, you know, if your feet are in the wrong spot, yeah, you're going with it for sure. We had a we had a pit coach for a long time that said, "If that gas can's going down pit road, you better be freaking attached to it." Yeah. And uh, but that being said, both of the teams, and that's something your head's up for now, especially for uh, races where the pit stops are so much faster now that you're waiting on fuel. You stand up, and if the gasman has a problem, you're there to stop them or stop the can because as long as it doesn't cross the line, it's not a penalty. So our our nope. gas man Chris Conklin crushed it all day long. Did he? Some negative plug times or what? Uh, yeah, just super efficient. Yeah, so that was a pretty good day. You see Ross off into the grass. No. Oh yeah. So my rights were in the grass one time because it just got a little tight. So so here's the thing about Atlanta: the pit boxes are only 28 feet wide, or 28 feet long. Mm. It's the smallest in the sport. There's other ones that same size, but there's none smaller. Pit road is very tight, both from end to end and from wall to grass. When you go to tracks like Talladega and Daytona, it's much bigger. The reason that even Daytona and Talladega get congested where you run into each other, but there's more room. It's like being on a five-lane highway or a two-lane highway. Yeah, right. That being said, super speedway races tend to have the most cars on the lead lap. So every car is on the, so when you have 30 cars on lead lap or 35 cars on lead lap Everybody's coming and they're down. all pitting, it doesn't look as bad at Daytona or Talladega, but when you get to Atlanta with the tight, with as, as tight of a pit road as anywhere, that's when you get into these problems, the 11 car crash in the 77, the, the set, the one car was off in the petunias there, you know, Joe, just yeah. boom, watch, still watching his lights <laughs> out in the grass. It looked like Mario Kart when you get off track. Yeah, there was a lot of drama there, and we were lucky because we qualified well. I watched the 21s home camera; they didn't qualify so hot, and they were in between like the 99 and the 11 or something, and they were kind of just nosed in, tripping over each other's hoses, trying to make sure you don't get your tire in someone else's pit stall. So it's it's important, but it's even more important there. 
Have they called anybody on that pit road line violation yet? I don't believe they have they have called that one yet, but like I think I know, they only have that. So like if somebody gets hit, they can be like, oh, no, you were inside the line. Yeah, I think that's what there. It. There's some questionable calls. Like I've asked some questions, like, hey, what could this been a penalty? Could that like what? Where do I go? Is there anything I'm going to get in trouble for? Like if I'm outside of that orange line, it's. I think it's there to if someone just is egregious to call the penalty. Yeah. Um, I don't think like like we talked about earlier in the show. I don't think NASCAR wants to make that call, but it's there in case they have to. They have a tool to make it black and white. Yeah. If they have to make the call, but no real drama with that yet. I think, you know, when we get to places like Charlotte, you'll also, you know, Charlotte will be the next place that's kind of super tight, um, Martinsville. But Martinsville, you tend to see a little bit of a green flag run. So when there's only 15 cars pitting on the lead lap, it's a lot different than 35. Four so, tire heaters at Coda this weekend. This, dude, so no stage breaks. Yeah. So that's important to talk about um, because you're not going to be flipping the stage. You're Essentially, do you feel like there's going to be a lot of tire fall off? Uh, I don't know. Probably two seconds, so which is very much. It's going to lead. I mean, everybody's been asking for this, so it's going to lead to a lot of parity. I think at the end of the race, depending on when cautions fall, if you take tires, if you just kind of ran the race backwards. So I think eventually I there'll, like be, there'll be a set of guys that made their bed, and they're not going to be on tires, maybe the top 10. Where did the push come from for no stages at road courses? Well, it's just kind of turning. I mean, I could see it because if you're a dominant car – and you're going to win the stage, then you just stay out, win the stage, right. or you you know, you know pick right. to, to pit before it. So it jumbles it up, and it gives you a mixed bag. But an, ex- an example at Coda last year was Suarez. Dominated the first stage, came into pit. Then Corey spun him out. No. Be- because on his, the restart, you guys were his back. His car and, yeah. hit my right front fender. It also puts strategy back into the race. So, I mean, I, I don't know for a fact if it's because fans were complaining about, you know, there's no, there's no strategy racing anymore. Right, so crew chiefs used to have to call the races backwards, and you know, whatever that may be, to let the race play out a little bit more naturally. Well, we'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes. I, I was don't, I don't, anti- I don't, I don't anticipate it being good. I'll be honest. I think it's going to get spread out, and code is what three and a half miles. I think you're going to have the winner win by seven seconds, and then the fans are going to be upset about something else. I was disheartened this weekend. I don't know. I don't think because the cars are reliable. Drivers aren't going to really make mistakes and spin out and bring out cautions. Unless you have people smash into each other, which is going to happen, I don't think you get a lot of re-racks. I think you might see two restarts the entire race. A lot of gravel out there, though. So I was disheartened while we're on this subject because we didn't cover it in kind of our open session, so I'll take some time and boats and woes. I was disheartened to see a lot of the comments this weekend on a lot of different things because every super speedway race eventually gets single file. And I've just seen a lot of people hammering just NASCAR in general this year on on a lot of stuff. And I think our races, I think you need to like, like a Phoenix, like some of our own critics in our, like some of our own media guys in our sport are quick to hammer it. And it's like, wait a minute. Phoenix was maybe if you are just looking at it at face value, it wasn't great. But if you really dive into the weeds and like what Kevin Harvick did there and what it took to get up front. And if you understand the race, it's really good, but, like, we watch F1, and you brought this point up to me this week. You're like, I don't know where the disconnect is because, like, our races are way better than F1 races, and they don't they and don't Max get for, the same. And Max Verstappen wins by 14 seconds, and we and, and the fans are talking about how great of a show it is. To your point, the margin of victory 
for all of the points-paying races this year, there's been one that was over a second, and that was Auto Club. Daytona finished under caution. And Auto Club, hey, look, Auto Club on Jeff Gluck's poll was the best race so far of the year. Atlanta was 0.19, Phoenix was 0.33, and Las Vegas was 0.62. So they had some late race cautions, what's up right. that? But, but but I don't like I don't understand and I I guess I would over, challenge over or under five seconds margin of victory this weekend. Over. 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 I, I do like the chance but of, of some okay, rain. But but I wanna say this before we move on. I challenge our fans and the fans of this podcast to not to come here, understand the sport better, and not just take the easy way that if the cars aren't three wide, come to the stripe every lap, understand what goes into dominating these races, understand what it takes to get to the front of these races, understand how the race actually works. More so, I don't know if we're doing a bad job getting the pen to paper on the broadcast and F1 just does a better job of it. I don't know what that is, but somewhere we are not doing a great job letting the fans know how hard it is and how different it is each track we go to and and why the races look the way they do. They just want it to look like Talladega everywhere and it's not going to. And that's what makes our sport great because you can overlap a lot of F1 races and they kind of all look the same unless it rains or there's parts failures or there's something that's crazy that happens at the start, or they get a mistimed safety car where all of ours look different. Yeah, and the and the running position looks different. You know, you can I could run twenty eighth last week and run fourth the, next, the following week just due to the difference in, in racetrack and the you know and the configuration of the track and cars. But I think some of it has to do with broadcast because you watch an F one broadcast and it's much more technologically focused, where we're just kind of like you know slapstick cars driving around in circles and you know having cartoon pictures for each driver. I think we could probably do a little bit different thing there. But also, I think I would encourage the fans to get the NASCAR app and, like, scan the radio. That way you can listen to my communications throughout the race, yelling at Sparks, bitching at TJ, TJ bitching at me. Like, that sort of stuff happens every week, and you're going to feel like you are in the race just as much as I am. And if you don't understand it, before you fire off that mean tweet, hashtag Penny for your thoughts. Ask us, and we'll answer it for you. And with that great segue, Janie, get over here after break. I had a bunch of questions this week. Hashtag Penny for your thoughts. What do we got? Our first one comes from at outlaw underscore fan. A lot is said about how the Daytona 500 can really help a team financially. Besides the all-star race, is there another one that is above the rest that can help a team quite a bit? I was actually just talking about this today over at the shop. Atlanta didn't pay quite as much as I thought. I thought the top 10 or so escalated a bit, but there's really only Indy before I went to the, the road course paid a lot. Texas paid a lot. Coke 600 pays a bit more than all the other ones, but... I believe the total purse for the 500 is like 10 million, give or take. I don't know. I might be wrong. Don't quote me. But um, an average purse for all the other ones is about 3 million. So the biggest thing, though, you know, a team like ours, you, I mean, you want to run good everywhere, but a, a, a day like Sunday where you run fourth, bring the car home in one piece, you can turn around and make it go to Talladega with limited amount of money and body parts changed, it's just a good financial day over overall 
What determines the purse? Uh, Sponsors? That's probably way over my pay grade. Like obviously the sponsor t- of the whole race? That, um, obviously, how much money the, the tracks want to commit. TV, certainly. So TV is a big chunk. And then I think it does, it uh, it changes a bit per track as well. Does How much does it help with selling sponsorship? Does that, where's where you run well, directly two, correlate or no? There's two different avenues, right? There's how I, I call it front door money is just stickers on the car. Yeah. Advertising, right? So you can try to sell a race for 150, 200 grand. So get your front door money. Then the back door money is what the car is going to make in purse. So whatever you combine your overhead is no different than any other business. If you're spending 200 grand to go to the racetrack and you come home with 300, that's a net positive day. Yep. Cool. Next one is from at token comic. He says, has anyone tested a progressive head padding in their seat? Soft to hard, kind of like the safer barrier, if you will. Yeah. So NASCAR, they just ran a test of it, I believe in November. Um, Obviously they're trying to get ahead of this with, reacting to Kurt, but also just trying to soften the rear clips up and, and head surround foam was definitely a priority item. So they tested about 12 different foam combinations and really and truly the padding that we have right now is the best for absorbing the impact and dissipating it. Because the biggest thing is when you have soft to hard, if you have soft, your head's going to go further in. But the thing that not a lot of people think about is when you go in, it rebounds and your head, it's not from the right front impact or the initial impact, it's the rebound to the other side. So your head has longer to stroke the other side of the, the headrest. And I think that's the concern with the, the soft foam. So you've built them on your seats, right? What do you like? Like you've, yeah, I run, you're in a unique position because your family has had a seat company for yeah. years. So what have you found to be the best? Like, well, you don't get really a lot of options. You have to run the 45.2 to a certain thickness. Okay, so what about if you're going to race short track? Yeah, I would run – I'd probably run the 45.2, the stuff that NASCAR recommends for like six inches and like the inch, inch and a half that's up against your helmet. Softer stuff just because it dampens vibration. The hard stuff really makes your eyeballs rattle. Oh, yeah. So your guys' new seat, like for short track racing in the house, I just take like a half-inch shim. Yeah. Go back there wrapping Carbonex and yeah, Velcro it on. Everybody has different tendencies too on how tight they run their foam. I mean, NASCAR recommends the biggest thing, like what get what got Kurt is, you know, he leaned away from the crash when he backed in the fence of Pocono and then it whipped and smacked the back of the headrest. So you want to limit the amount of space from your helmet to the headrest. And as you do that, you have exponentially more chances of coming out without a concussion. So NASCAR is really, I mean, they really are, John Padalek over there on D Center, those guys are working super hard to try to, you know, it's one thing too, it's, you can't just foam up your helmet and make it not be able to move because then it's not comfortable. And then it's the vibrations of your eyeballs, you can't see where you're going. So there's a, definitely a balance between foaming it up with no air gaps and also making it to where everybody's happy. And the hit going backwards is the worst, right? For like side sure. to side is one thing, but when you get the big whip backwards, because I see a lot of guys, not at this level, but with a lot of room behind their helmet. So that, from all the studies I found, is that that's really, really important. Yeah, you just have, so your, the front and back of your head, the brain's closer to the your cranium, right? On the side, it's got a little more cushion. So um, you, you're more apt for a concussion if you hit forward or backwards hard than on the side. That's why we've seen, so Alex obviously had a concussion last year, Texas, and then, then obviously Kurt Busch, so. 
NASCAR is certainly looking at that, trying to make it better. Our next question comes from at Galva Clover. I think he has something last year, too. So coming back with some good ones. You are starring in an outdoor survival show. You get to choose a current and former cup driver for your team. Who are you picking and why? Oh, yes. That's a great penny for your thoughts question. Old guy, definitely taking Ward Burton. Mm, I mean, he can light fires. He can go shoot turkeys. No, I'm sure Ward Burton can do whatever you want. Handle snakes. Rattlesnakes don't matter. Ward Burton would be my first pick. Current guy, who would I need some help with that one? Uh, yeah, pick Chris Buescher. Oh, f- he took mine. Did it? Uh, Just because he's he's a farm guy. He's a farm guy. Yeah, true. Martin Truex. Yeah. Mm. The, the conversation would be very good. Martin's all right. He's he's okay. We talked a little. Might we be talked good a little for you guys. Cool. We could bond yeah, a bit. Yeah. So I'll take just f- to rekindle some magic between Truex and I, I'll take him. We can bond over our beards and beards and beer. Guy stuff. That's nice. Dudes. I think I left one question off on the first page. Do you know what that one says, Corey? No. There's three questions. Yeah, there's only three. I do have a, a fact for you on the, the first question about the prize money. Do you know how much Jim Roper was paid out in 1949 to win the first race at Charlotte Speedway? I'm going to be a heart attack. <laughs> God damn You like the little distraction over there? $2,000. I was going to say 600 bucks. That was How many was, more? That was my question. <laughs> Three for Dale. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Damn, heart's pumping. <laughs> if you had your... Uh... I felt the percussion. Do we have a penny stacker of the week? Oh, missing yeah. that. So, I don't have a penny stacker this week. You do. Well, we all do because we yeah. are all on one podcast. That is true. She's a fan of the podcast. Missing that. Missing that. That's, is that Harper's teacher? Cruise teacher. Cruise teacher. Cruise teacher here in Huntersville. Her and her husband, James, came out to the race this week. She had her stack of penny shirt on. Hey. She listens to the show, so she knew not to ask to be the penny stacker of the week. So therefore, so therefore, golf clap for missing that. And I don't know that anybody in Atlanta had more fun than them. So it's just that's that's. I mean, Levi had some funny. We wasn't feeling good, but yes, I'm glad they had a good time, and I'm glad they listened to the show, and I'm glad you guys listened to the show. Continue to tweet at us hashtag Penny for your thoughts, like, download, share, rate, review, all the things. And we are headed down to Austin, Texas this Sunday for the Echo Park Automotive Grand Prix, Sunday 3:30 Eastern time. See you guys down there. I'm Corey Joy, and this is Stacking Pennies. <laughs>